With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon, and this is your county commissioner alert coming to you. You do not have to take any action. And it is a beautiful day here in the Pacific Northwest. You know, it's starting to feel a little bit like fall. The leaves are starting to turn. It actually dropped into the upper 30s out here in beautiful downtown Elmira this morning. And it was foggy, and it just kind of felt like fall today. And, uh, you know, just starting to feel that way and you know i like fall but i tell you i love summer (laughs) and i'm missing those longer daylight hours already um so it it it, i I have to fight my my seasonal affective disorder coming on this time of year i can just feel it coming sometime about december i will be you know feeling blue because i'm not seeing enough sunlight but that's part of living in the pacific northwest we get basically three to four months of the most gorgeous weather in the world and we get to live in one of the most beautiful places in the world where we can you know get to skiing in the winter time in an hour and get to surfing in the summertime in an hour from where we live so pretty amazing place to live uh, including having some of the most incredible um, river systems and mountains around to, to play on it's just just a great place you're listening to the Bose Nose Show. I'm your host, Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner, and we come to you live every Wednesday here at 4 o'clock because I want to have a conversation with you, and you can call me at 646-721-9887 and just press 1, and that lets uh, Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646 721 9887. Just press one. So, did you get the presidential alert today at 1118 here in Pacific time? 218 if you're listening on the internet from the East Coast. I'm just curious how many people got it? Who got skipped? Why do you think you got skipped? I have a friend uh, by the that used to live in this area that now lives outside of Phoenix that did not get the alert, but he has a flip phone. <laughs> So that might be why. Uh, so, you know, if the over phones didn't get the alert, you can actually have turned off your emergency alerts on your phone in your settings if you were 
you know, a while back when the Amber Alerts seemed to be going crazy all the time, a lot of people did that. And if they never turned it back on, uh, they may not have gotten this alert. Um, and if you're on some of the more obscure carriers that don't participate in the National Emergency Alert, uh, Electronic Emergency Alert System, they that's another reason you might not have gotten it today. So kind of curious, you know, give me a call. Let me know if you did not get the Presidential Emergency Alert today. Um, kind of interesting, you know, a lot of memes on Facebook and all that about the Presidential Alert. <laughs> Some of them are pretty funny. Some of them are pretty original. Um, one of the funnier ones I saw was presidential alert. Yes, I am still your president. <laughs> um, you know, it was kind of a, a, a Photoshop version of a, of a, of a screen of a cell phone. Uh, yeah, there are some, there are some pretty, pretty clever adaptations of that out there, but, uh, it's actually a pretty serious thing, and I've mentioned it before. This is actually required by an act of Congress. Back in 2015, they passed a piece of legislation to update our emergency alert systems you know, and, and provided the funding to do so. And part of that piece of law was a requirement to test the system once every three years. Well, if they didn't finish the test before the end of 2018, they were going to be in violation of that act of Congress. So you better prepare yourself. We're going to have another one with whoever's in president in 2021, uh, probably doing another presidential alert across the nation. So be prepared. In 2021, there'll be another presidential alert like we had today. So hopefully no one wrecked their car or witness any car wrecks at 11.18 this morning. Uh, if you did, I, I would love to hear about that because that was one of my biggest concerns and one of the reasons why I talked about the alert coming out so much is I wanted people to be aware that it was going to happen so they wouldn't suddenly hear their phone making some awful noise on the seat beside them in their car in buried deep down in the depths of their purse or uh, slung down onto the floor you know, or somewhere in the middle of their console and they're fishing for it and look away from the road and have an accident. Um, that's what I was trying to prevent, make sure people knew it was coming, wouldn't be surprised, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, didn't lose a couple minutes of their life by being scared to death by that horrible noise coming from their phone. I know, even though I talked about it all the time, my wife still got startled when her phone went off because she was busy concentrating on on getting her magazine out and uh, getting proofs out to her, her proofers uh, as she's getting close to putting this issue to bed and uh, was concentrating so hard she wasn't noticing what time it was and her phone went off uh, beside her on her desk and made her jump pretty well um, this morning. So I know it could really startle people even if they knew it was coming. If you weren't watching the clock, I was kind of fortunate. I was in a meeting this morning and someone mentioned, you know, he had a little timer set on his, his uh, cell phone that gave him like a five minute warning that was about to go off. So he mentioned it to the whole meeting. So everybody, there was no surprise when all of our cell phones went off at once. So uh, I wasn't too surprised by it. Definitely. Stopped the meeting for a minute as everyone waited for their cell phones to stop making noise. Um, but that's that's uh, been, been kind of an interesting morning. Just 
going through the whole presidential alert thing, um, the meeting I was sitting in was on courthouse uh, planning as we're looking to replace our aging uh, 1950s era uh, county courthouse here in Lane County, which uh, definitely is not built for providing the modern kind of justice system we currently have in this country um, and, and is far too small for the size of population we have now in Lane County. And uh, just talking about, you know, how it, mostly what we're looking at is what they call massing in the building, how many square feet, what relations uh, the, the functions should be in the building, who should be on what floor, how it should be set up, and just kind of some options around that, um, taller and narrower versus shorter and squatter, et cetera, and how that functions on the site, ability to provide additional parking, access and front it on and, and where the public access is versus private access how you move prisoners etc pretty interesting stuff geeky for me as an engineer because you know I, I i love you know trying to do that problem solving activity of okay now we know how much space we need because we know how many people we're predicting we're going to have crammed into this building um 50 years from now or so to keep it functional you know, so we're not building for today. We're actually building for the future. Um, now, how do we get that all to work on on a particular site? And that that problem solving activity of that, you know, is a pretty cool thing to do. And it seems to be moving along. And we're kind of zeroing down on some massing strategies and, and um, options that kind of steer how much the building might cost. And we're now going to start getting into some. Um, early cost estimating that's a little bit more serious than just going, oh, it's 240,000 square feet and, and just throw so many dollars a square foot at it, um, which doesn't really get you to very good numbers. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, have some numbers to share on cost by the end of the year as to what that, that new courthouse and justice facility, and really it, it's more of a justice facility than it is a courthouse because the actual courtroom functions are, are not, I mean, it's a good portion, maybe half the square footage of the building, but really um, there's so much else that goes on in that building. Uh, the, the, the meeting rooms for attorneys and clients or for witnesses to um, uh, wait to enter court, um, the mediation meeting and the facilitated mediation meeting rooms that now function a lot in our justice system where cases are mediated um, and not necessarily tried in front of a jury. Um, you know, the, the um, victim services portions of the building, um, you know, there's just all these things that go into um, providing justice uh, in our, in our system, you know, how we move, inmates up through securely and so that they're not um, seen in uh, prison orange and shackled um, by jurors, you know, before they enter the courtroom, you know, that, that sort of, you know, piece of uh, making sure folks get a fair um, trial. Uh, there are all sorts of interesting pieces of a courthouse and just uh, trying to get all those pieces to fit together, function well, and do it in an efficient manner that doesn't drive the cost up um, is always, you know, an interesting exercise. And that's what I was doing when the presidential alert came out. 
today. But there's other stuff in the news, and, and I'm sure that you know, no matter what you want to talk about here on the Bo's Nose Show, we'll take the conversation in whatever direction you want to steer us. It, the show is always that way, so just give us a call, 646-721-9887. Just press 1. Let's us know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, 646-721-9887. Talk a little bit about our our board meeting yesterday. Um, we had a couple things go on there, and probably the one that made the newspaper today was our transfer of the Forest Work Camp property out in Alma, which is way out in uh, my district in West Lane County, past Lorraine, way out Saislaw River Road, um, past the intersection with Wolf Creek Road. So you're, you're, you're pretty far out in the sticks. We had this old forest work camp that was a really innovative facility. Um, probably would have been smarter if we could have built it closer into to town in some ways, because one of the things that made it um, untenable when we tried to um, reopen it was the distance it is from uh, medical care and some other issues out there. But we had to close that down for multiple reasons, which I'll get into in a minute. And it sat uh, idle and basically um, mothballed for quite a long time where it was actually costing the county money just to provide security so the wires wouldn't get stripped out of the walls and, and and the whole place be vandalized. So the buildings would at least maintain some value out there. and uh, that was just costing, it was a, a money drain on the county to continue to have that piece of property out there. So a couple years ago, we went out for a request for proposals from um, anyone that was interested in that property. And it could have been uh, you know, a for-profit timber company that wanted to buy it, replant it, and, and put it back into forest use because that's what it's zoned for, or any... Um, organization that wanted to put it to a use that would meet the um, special exception that is currently on that property that allowed us to operate the forest work camp, which, you know, is, is some kind of um, basically treatment facility style thing. And uh, we got several proposals. Uh, the board decided to award a lease rather than actually transfer the property at the time to a a foundling group that hadn't even gotten their 501c3 status established yet called Veterans Legacy. And, you know, at the time I was pretty um, skeptical whether they would be successful. I liked the concept of why they wanted the piece of property, which was they wanted to set up a treatment facility for veterans that were suffering from PTSD and other mental health disorders, including addiction, um, out in a setting that was natural and calm, but also where they could replicate somewhat the camaraderie and the um, structure of being back in the service um, at this facility. And of course, a facility that was originally holding um, inmates lends itself pretty well to being set up as a, in a military camp sort of style because it was a work camp. Um, so the Veterans Legacy folks had a great concept where they were going to get out there, they were going to grow food, um, 
you know, do a lot of, um, you know, work with the veterans in, in a natural environment to try and heal and, and getting them back into an environment they're comfortable with where they can support each other and eventually hopefully transition them back out healed at, you know, in a, in a more healed state back out into society. And that was a great concept, but as an organization that was brand new, doesn't even have their 501c3 status, um, had just formed itself. Um, it, you know, a lot of those sort of foundling um, charitable groups never succeed. You know, it's just like a, starting a small business. There's such a high failure rate. So it was tough to look at um, a proposal from a group that was so untested. But it turns out the folks involved with that have just, and their board, have just been phenomenally hard workers. And they really have made a success out of that organization. They've gained their 501c3 status. They've fundraised well. They worked really hard on getting the site um, improved out there over the last couple of years. You know, the number of man hours, the amount of furniture and equipment that's been donated from um, heat pumps from from uh, various HVAC companies to windows uh, as they replaced the small little slit windows that would be in an inmate facility with some larger windows to let natural light into some of the, the buildings. Um, the windows were donated, uh, a lot of donated labor out there uh, from electrical contractors and stuff. Um, so they're getting the, the, the place back into shape really well. But one of the things that was holding them back from getting grants from some of the larger foundations and um, other organizations and governmental entities was they did not own the property. And, and looking at, they were on a lease, you know, if, if they got a grant from somebody to do something there, they're, they're, they can be kicked out of their lease and then the grant isn't doing what the, the granting authority wants it to do. So Veterans Legacy Board came to the, to the Board of Commissioners and said, hey, we'd like to, you know, we'd like to get the land. You know, when we proposed on this, we proposed a lease because we didn't really have an organization to take in the land at that time. Now we've got our 501c3, we're well organized, um, and, uh, you know, we're on our way. And we actually put into the, the lease, had a um, ability to, to get ownership written into it. Um, and the Board of Commissioners uh, voted unanimously. 5-0 yesterday to transfer that land to Veterans Legacy for the grand total of $1, um, which avoids some of the taxation stuff, you know, how they always do that $1 transfer thing. But it's um, a really cool thing because the Veterans Legacy folks are, are setting up to provide a, a fascinating service and one that really hasn't been tried. Um, but one of the reasons why they've been so successful is one of their board members is former um, captain in our sheriff's department, Dan Buckwald, who actually worked at and ran the forest work camp when it was operational. So he knows the facility really well, but also understands the operation of that sort of system. Uh, in addition, they had another board member that I worked with when I worked at the Eugene Water and Electric Board, Mark Overly, 
who was a property management type guy and kind of got that whole end of things. And also at the same time was a Boy Scout leader, Eagle Scout sort of guy. So you want to talk about somebody that can organize uh, folks in volunteer parties. Um, you know, they've just got some really great board members that have been doing some really hard work, but they're really set up to do something really unique with that whole way of bringing veterans in, allowing them to be in a, uh, a setting that is kind of like back being back in the service again. You have other people that have common experiences from being in the service. You're in a setting that's similar to that, but yet they're going to, you know, involve things like, you know, um, they've got greenhouses there. They're going to be growing their own food. So they're going to be, you know, doing some what they call agricultural therapy there. Um, they're going to even involve some Native American um, uh, work into this, including a, a sweat lodge. Uh, it's just they're going to do a lot to treat the whole person and work on, you know, some of their issues and reintegration and whatever else that, that led them to have issues in society. And it's basically going to be what we consider a housing first sort of facility. They will take anybody into that facility with the exception of somebody that has a conviction for arson, which is pretty low barrier housing. In other words, you don't have to be, um, you know, dry and sober, clean and sober to get into their facility. You can actually be actively addicted at the time you get out there. Now, of course, once you get out there, you are a long ways from any supply. <laughs> so you're going to be working on your addiction pretty quickly out there. Um, so it, it it's uh, going to be an interesting uh, facility. But, you know, it's kind of sad in some ways, though, because that facility, when it was functioning as a work camp, was a really successful facility so successful that a lot of the volunteer labor that's coming out there to help with the veterans legacy are folks that actually were inmates in the forest work camp at one point, And that was what helped them turn their lives around. So it's a pretty kind of a, a circular story in some ways, but it's kind of a sad that we actually lost the forest work camp. And that gets back to the spotted owl and forest policy and a whole lot of other things, because one of the ways that we had a robust enough public safety system that we could afford to open up this hundred inmate, um, low risk inmate facility out there was because we, we were, you know, we had our jail fully opened. We had our prosecution and our, everybody staffed high enough that we had a population of folks we were charging up with, with low level enough crimes and could be trusted with a bush ax out, out in the woods and whatever, you know, chainsaws and whatever else um, to, to be out there working at the work camp. Um, that went away when we lost a lot of our forest funds here in, in Lane County. As we, as, as we got into our fiscal crisis um, after the spotted out, you know, kind of shut down the timber industry and a lot of our federal timber dollars started dwindling as SRS tapered off and then eventually ended. Um, we couldn't keep a population of low risk offenders in the system to feed the forest work camp. So one of the first casualties in our public safety system as we started 
being constrained uh, with resources due to the lack of federal forest money was the forest work camp. That's how it got shuttered. And then, you know, it, we're just fortunate now and that, that it's coming back to life now through this charitable organization that's going to live on grants and donations and charitable contributions. Um, so it'll, it'll be, you know, a little bit interesting to see how that works out, but I, I'm really kind of excited though, because they're, they're going to have the ability um, to really do a great job out there and really help some veterans um, and particularly some of our, our homeless vets and some of our vets that, you know, we're losing, you know, we, we issued a, a report on suicides in Lane County over a fairly long period of time. And one of the groups that's really, um, highly impacted by suicide is veterans and, and and you hear that all the time so having this kind of facility you know get these people you know out there in an environment that they're more comfortable with supported by um, folks that have common experiences um, maybe we can chip away at that suicide rate maybe we can chip away at the veterans um, homeless issues um, so I'm really kind of excited about that, if you can't tell. And it's really a great opportunity, and it was a great thing to be able to give that piece of land and those buildings over to Veterans Legacy. And I'm looking forward to seeing them run with that in the future. So really kind of exciting. So also at the Board of Commissioners meeting, on Tuesday, we had a strategic plan update. We do these every quarter, but this one we did a little bit differently where um, we asked staff to focus on three or four particular strategies in our strategic work plan. And our strategic work plan has like 47 different activity areas, as they call it, key activities. And because um, we kind of have, we have, you know, four overarching strategic plan areas, you know, safe, healthy counties, vibrant communities, robust infrastructure, and our people and partnerships. And, and, that, and these little sub-strategies underneath of that um, make up our strategic plan strategies and goals. And we kind of just broke down four out of those 47 subcategories and each one of those even has subcategories underneath of it so we get in a little bit of detail in each one and um, the first one we looked at was um, basically varied housing options to address homelessness which ties well with this veterans legacy and, uh, and and particular supported housing so we got kind of a report on how some of that works doing um, we're we're getting close to closing the gap to, to get all the financing together to, to, to build our um, housing first facility there on, on MLK Boulevard across from Autzen Stadium, but next door to our mental uh, and behavioral health um, department there. Um, that's an exciting opportunity there to deal with um, chronically homeless and, and addictions and other issues of mental health um, in our community very similar to Veterans Legacy. The only difference is it's going to be more urban setting versus a rural setting. It's going to be open to everyone, not just veterans, whereas the Veterans Legacy is, you know, specifically meant to deal with veterans. Um, but, you know, we're 
we're moving along under that that particular um, issue. In fact, next week we're going to be hearing a report on next Wednesday back from a national uh, consultant that's been mapping our entire um, service provision in this county for the homeless and and uh, folks in poverty, and and it's going to give us kind of a, a gap study and 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 um, report on potential strategies um, that and goals we might get to close some of the gaps in our in our service system, and uh, that's going to be really interesting next Wednesday. And there's a public version of that meeting Wednesday night. 5:30 at the LCC downtown campus. Um, if you're interested, should be really interesting. One of the interesting things is their report was supposed to be out earlier this year, but it took them longer because we have such a complex and robust system for a community of our size that they underestimated what it was going to take to complete the mapping of our system. <laughs> so I mean, I, that to me says we must be doing some things right if it take, it's taking them longer to figure out our system uh, than we thought. But that, you know, that key uh, activity area, though, of, of trying to address homelessness, it seems like we're, we're moving um, kind of in the green on that one. Then the, the next one we talked about a little bit was um, infrastructure and in particular, um, you know, how we're dealing with our roads and bridges in this county and uh, we're starting to move ahead on that as we get some additional funding from the transportation bill house bill 2017 and um, we've actually uh, established a second um, bridge maintenance um, crew in our uh, public works roads division uh, as they're getting trained up and and getting on the job we'll be doing more bridge maintenance one of the things people may not know is we have over 400 bridges that we maintain in Lane County. I think it's 419, but I'm not positive. It, I gotta, can't remember what the number is now that we've swapped some roads back and forth with the state um, as far as who's maintaining what roads. Um, that number changed a little bit, but it's over 400. That's a lot of bridges to keep up the inspections on, to make sure that, you know, that they're structurally sound and uh, you know we're moving we're, we're doing some good work there uh, starting to see uh, some better uh, maintenance we're setting up a better um, asset management and tracking system we already have a pretty good com uh, computerized um, maintenance management system for our road system but asset management is also going to include the bridges and, and a few other um, facilities so it, it's going to we're moving ahead there. Um, probably not as far along as fast as we'd like to be, but you know, it's just one of those um, uh, issues where it's just a matter of uh, ramping up, so to speak. We are getting there. It's, it's just uh, as as the funding streams come in, we're hiring folks. They're getting trained, getting out there, and and getting starting to get the work done. You know, but we're we were starting from a little bit behind because we, you know, at when they cut SRS funds, uh, we had to make some pretty severe cuts in our public works department for a couple of years. So, got to play a little catch up um, there. And then the next item we heard about from our uh, strategic plan is we have a goal to increase broadband access in rural communities. 
which, you know, is so important and so critical because, you know, it used to seem like Internet service was uh, a a like-to-have sort of thing. It's really kind of almost got to be you have to have to function in today's society Uh, and and to really be um, economically competitive and and function economically. It's almost a have-to-have. And, you know, as you look at, um, for instance, my wife's business, one of the reasons we can do it from here in Elmira is we have access to a DSL line, not very high speed broadband, but high enough that she's able to transfer graphic files from here in Elmira to a printer in Salem that actually prints her magazine and mails it out. And she's able to transfer files back and forth with advertisers and contributors, et cetera. And it's that internet connectivity that makes her business go and allows her to hire four people other than the two of us. We're both employees of of her business also. And those folks are local um, for the most part. And and that's happening out here in Elmira because there's broadband connection. Now we're getting ready to upgrade our broadband connection because Good old Spectrum finally got fiber optics out here instead of uh, their their coax, um, and and we're expecting to get something a little bit beefier than the uh, four uh, megabits uh, per second that we got right now. So, <laughs> uh, so but that that broadband's important, particularly in some rural areas, because. If you're out in some areas and you're on the north side of a hill where you can't see the satellites for HughesNet and you're in some of the valleys out here in rural Lane County, you don't have access to a cellular network that has even data transfer capabilities. There is no real access to data transmission at all. There's cell phone dead areas that have north facing. So how in the world do you get internet in those areas? So trying to expand that that rural uh, broadband access is really important. Got four projects we're working on right now. And uh, one in particular that's kind of uh, moving along is a secondary um, fiber connection that's gonna be done by Lane Electric out to Benita. that we're helping uh, work with both on the funding side and trying to troubleshoot some permitting issues with trying to get out um, Cantrell Road through some of the natural areas there that are owned by ODF&W and the Corps of Engineers um, that we have to deal with. So, um, you know, that's going to, you know, interesting enough, speaking of economic development, that's going to give a secondary backup to first call resolution or FCR as they're now known, um, their call center out Benita. Once they have that backup to where they have redundancy in their fiber optic connections to that call center, they're going to be able to take on a contract at that call center. That's going to add at least 35 more jobs. So just getting that one fiber connection out to Benita is going to add 35 jobs in Benita. That's 35 jobs in a community of about 5,000 people is a fairly significant addition to the job market, not to mention what other jobs might be generated by anyone else that's able to connect into that high-speed system. Because one of the things is um, uh, Emerald Broadband's talking about maybe getting a um, 
uh, last mile system out here once that that fiber is out here. So they, you know, you might be able to get um, you know, one of these uh, get an, uh, have another alternate for broadband access in the Fern Ridge area. So how many in-home businesses might that spawn, and employment might that spawn? And and when you think about our ability as Lane County to extend services into rural areas, as we've had to reduce the number, you know, we can't keep an office in Florence anymore. Um, our major presence there is the is the justice at the justice center with the justice court, um, and we have a um, a road maintenance crew in Florence, but we don't have access to um, apply for permits or do a, you know. And, you know, ask questions on that side in Florence. Uh, similarly, it's difficult if you're up in Oak Ridge or some some other small community or up in Triangle Lake. So a lot of our service extensions by the Internet. Uh, and if you don't have good Internet service, having access to county services is difficult in some ways in those rural areas. And one of the things that is the real future of providing medical service more cheaply and, and easily to rural areas is the telemedicine. And of course, that usually involves having to be able to video chat and, and you know, show your doctor <laughs> that weird patch of skin on your elbow um, or something like that. It, it's, uh, that can't happen without high-speed data transmission. So getting, you know, high-speed internet out to Triangle Lake important for that rural community because it doesn't just have economic benefit it also has service benefit and, and that's a you know so it ties into some of our other strategic plan goals like um, access to um, primary behavioral and oral health care across the entire county improving that access well if there's improved broadband access we might be able to use telemedicine to extend some of that access to care. So it's it's really um, important. We're, we're moving ahead with that, but again, it's one of those ones that's kind of in the yellow area. It's not moving as fast as we'd like it to move, but we're we're definitely um, working hard on it. Uh, it's a it's an issue across the entire nation. You know, high speed data access to rural areas. One of the interesting things is going to be to see how the whole 5G um, plays out with that. But of course, you have to have cellular service to get 5G. And there are areas in Lane County, there is no cellular service. Absolutely dead areas. You know, and it has more to do with how uh, our topography of Lane County is and you know, the number of towers that would be needed in each little valley to service a small number of customers um, that just isn't affordable to some of these cellular companies. So looking forward to getting that broadband expanded out in the rural areas. And the last thing we talked about in our strategic plan, and this, this is going to kind of seem kind of internal, but I'm going to externalize it for you, is trying to improve employee engagement around the county. And, you know, what that's about is um, you know, how are our employees, how much are they engaged with their jobs? Are they just kind of phoning it in and getting their hours in and collecting a paycheck 
doing you know the minimal amount necessary, at least getting the you know the work done, or are they really engaged and thinking about you know suggesting ways to to streamline their job and and actually get things more productive, uh, better ways to serve people, or are they going above and beyond helping a customer? Um, that calls in, you know, even if it isn't part of their job or something, you know, th- what we really want is those folks that are super engaged and are going above and beyond. And, and one of the reasons we want that is those folks tend to, one, stay longer. You have much higher retention with them because at replacing people has a cost. If we have people moving jobs constantly, we have to go through recruitment. We have to train, you know, all those things. And, and, and a lot of times we'll have no one in that position for a period of time while we're doing the recruitment. So it, it, it doesn't help the function of the county. So an engaged employee tends to be a longer term employee, higher retention. An engaged employee also tends to be much more productive and much more service oriented. And one of the things we really highly value is that drive to serve in the county and and because that's really what we're here for is to serve the public so if, if our employees aren't engaged they're not going to be serving the public really well so you know working on those employee engagement issues is really important in that matter the other thing about employee engagement and this is kind of a side thing they tend not to be um, looking for reasons to be upset disgruntled so you get less grievances filed, less um, claims against the county for various reasons. They, they, they have less sick time. So there's all sorts of ways it actually saves tax dollars to have an engaged workforce. So it's really seems like an internal thing, employee engagement for the county, but it affects how much county services cost, how well they're provided to you, and, and, and multiple different facets. And we we're, we had some really interesting reports on that. That's one of the things that we're kind of in the, in the green um, on and heading in good directions because uh, we have a, a pretty engaged workforce right now. We're doing some things to try and build on that, from mentoring programs to um, working on on um, uh, ways that employees can get into leadership and um, and. Uh, moving up in the organization, cross-training. Uh, it, there's some, some really great um, uh, programs we're starting to engage in. And uh, it seems like we're going in a really good direction there, which means service should be getting better for you as you talk to uh, county employees and um, cost should be going down. So that's kind of one of those things. So. An interesting strategic plan update there at the Board of Commissioners. And I know that's um, kind of inside baseball for a lot of folks, but it's really uh, one of the things that's made Lane County really successful over the last several years, even with the lack of resources we have, has been how we've been managing to our strategic plan and having our strategic plan really guide our work plans and where we're going and it's really been effective and 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 we've been really able to innovate and work towards some incredible cost savings for the taxpayers uh, expansion of services with minimal amount of, of resources so 
the strategic plan has been really important for Lane County. And in fact, it's we've been doing so well with it, we've actually been getting notice from organizations across the country, and we've actually got a professor in public policy that's going to come visit Lane County from Indiana that wants to come and, and, and talk with some of our staff and witness some of the things we're doing and the partnership we're developing with the University of Oregon uh, in, in helping um, Lane County become more innovative through um, our policy lab that we're developing with the University of Oregon's uh, public policy um, school. So uh, pretty good news there on the strategic plan front. But if you want to talk about something other than inside baseball county, uh, or if you have some questions about the forest work camp and veterans legacy, or if you want to talk about the presidential alert, did you get it? Were you skipped over? Do you know why? Um, give me a call at 646-721-9887. And uh, we'll get you in on the show. Just press one. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press one. I think Robin has a follow-up comment on that presidential alert. Yeah. Ooh, 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 I'm not. I'm not hearing it on my end. Oh, maybe oh. because I didn't hear it myself. Anyways, <laughs> um, I turn the down on your radio, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 Anyways, no. As as we talked uh, on today's show or as you brought up earlier in today's show, and we talked about at length last week, about the alert going off. And some people knew about it, still a lot didn't. But even still, because in Oregon, as you know, we have a really strict hands-free law. In fact, Washington State's even worse than, than ours. But to quote, people who are caught with any kind of electronic device in their hand while sitting in the driver's seat can be cited. That means unless they are legally parked, that they it is a, a class uh, B uh, violation. So basically, in a sense, at one time in Oregon, there was hundreds of drivers that were technically in violation of the law. Yeah, yeah. It'd be it'd be interesting to see if there were any tickets issued at eleven twenty today for. For touching your cell phone. Yeah, exactly. Lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Entrapment, entrapment. Exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. But the, the other thing is, and this is kind of like, you know, conspiracy theory Wednesday or whatever. Um, you know how some nasty stuff can be included in emails? Well, this is confirmed that the government has control over your cell phone. Yeah, yes, they do. But one of the things you don't realize is when you when you bought that cell phone and signed up for service from a provider, that service contract buried in that fine print says you accept being part of the emergency alert system. Yeah. And I guess there, by law, inside your cell phone, there's a big, long um, contract or disclaimer or something like that that mentions that. You just have to kind of find it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm certain that the cellular company would be happiest to continue to provide you service if you wanted to cross out that part of the contract and initial it and ask them to do the same. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sure they'd be very accommodating. 
that's what always cracks me up about these these conditions of service and all that. You know, you know, like when you update your phone and, and you always get this agree with the conditions or whatever. Yeah. It's like, like if I don't agree with them, you're going to continue to provide me service. You know, if there's something I want to change on that, you know, between me and the company, you're going to, you're going to really alter for just me, that one customer as of millions of customers you have. Well, and I want to know, like for the credit card company, for example, they can constantly change the agreement. Of course, you, you got 30 days or whatever to opt out. How come it doesn't work the other way? Well, it's, it, because they got they got all the all the cards on, on their side of the table. Yeah, you have the right to pay it off. Yep. It's, that's just like one of my favorite topics, uh, being the type of job that I have, is uh, Microsoft Windows 10 and its uh, random reboots. As they say, they're using their artificial intelligence to figure out when you're not using the computer, not when you actually still have jobs open. And I was going to write a little nasty gram to Microsoft and they and in the uh, forms, Microsoft forms are saying reminding people that the Windows 10 operating system is not an operating system, it is a service. And I'm thinking, you know, just this week I installed a Windows 10 operating system and I read the EULA all the way through. Okay, I don't have a life. But anyways <laughs> and it said right in the beginning, the Windows 10 operating system blah 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 it did not say the Windows 10 service that's just a minor point but still it's just kind of like uh, own up we're paying for it give me control back of my computer yeah Linux rules oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it's amazing how much that we just kind of don't even think about nowadays how easily we just sign agreements and, and terms of terms of service uh, contracts, et cetera, without even a cursory look to see what we're signing yeah. or agreeing to. And then we're surprised when we get emergency alerts because it was part of the contract we signed with our service provider. Yeah. You'd think you would have the freedom like you would with the Amber alerts and stuff. To at least have some control over it, but you know it's the illusion that we if you, turn, if you turn your amber alerts off, it, you would not have gotten this alert. Actually, they said it would. Uh, the research I did, hmm. yeah, they, would they override said, that. Yeah. It overrides that, that you cannot opt out of that, even with the amber alert system turned off. Because I have mine turned off. Yeah. After about the fifteenth one in a month, I mean, I'm I'm sorry. You know, I know what the Amber Alert is, but, you know, at 2 in the morning, and so I turned it off, and no, and I, I got it today. Oh, okay. Interesting. I wonder if that maybe just varies by provider and phone type. I don't know, because uh, when, when I went to the FEMA website and read about it, um, and, of course, tried to figure out how to turn this thing off just because yeah. I have <laughs> um, yeah, they said that you, you can't do it. But now yep. that I have a text in my phone from the emergency alert system, if it comes from the same thing, I could probably block it. Possibly. Not even sure. If it, is it a text? Yeah, it's actually a text. Um, I have copies uh, of uh, screenshots 
that's up on the uh, Facebook page right now if anybody wants to see them of what I actually got. And yeah, it, it doesn't, you know, as I look at my messages on my on my iPhone, there's no message from that that you know the presidential alert message. Yeah, mine says emergency alert message, presidential alert, October third, eleven eighteen a.m. This is a test of the. Yeah, it was on my screen when the alert. Yeah, you know, but as soon as I changed my screen, I lost that. I should yeah. have done a screen capture of it. Yeah, it's, it's right there in my list of texts, right above this guy named Jay. Who be that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it it it's kind of it it's interesting, you know, just this whole alert system. But I understand why they want to override some of the. Um, do not disturb. I know it overrides do not disturb and several other things because it, the whole idea is, you know, if the missiles are incoming. <laughs> right. They want you to know about it. Um, or, you know, some other national emergency or, or you know, this, this system actually can be done regionally. So if the tsunami is coming and, and, your you have your phones on do not disturb on your nightstand at two in the morning and you're staying down um, on the coast in the tsunami zone. You want that to override that do not disturb and wake you up. <laughs> oh, totally agree. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, as long as it's not abused, I don't have a problem with it. You know, again, my biggest problem with is that uh, I, I'm not a, a proponent of the Oregon anti-distraction or distracted driving law, because I think it, uh, I mean, granted, yes, it goes, there are people that can't walk and chew gum at the same time, but there should, I don't agree with the way that it's written. And especially if in a situation like today, they should have like a five minute window where they just ignore that law. Yeah. And maybe they did. I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if law enforcement did anyway. Yeah. yeah it'd be interesting to see if there was a, a spike in, in in those tickets and also if there was any spike in traffic accidents as people were distracted by the by their cell phones going off. Exactly. But, and especially mine wasn't that loud. You said yours was kind of loud, but I wonder if people that were driving with the Bluetooth, if that thing was screaming in their ear. Yeah. But what's interesting is I went and checked my tablet, and it did not get an alert. Hmm. But then again, that's not a phone either. But it, Yeah, I didn't get an alert on my tablet either. And I had my tablet up at the time. Yeah. And, but it's just, it's uh, it's got cellular service to it. Right. That's interesting. I wonder, oh, they must have a way of knowing that it's a tablet. Yeah, well... Yeah, I think it's. You can take a phone call on it. <laughs> yeah, you can make a phone call on it. And yeah. install Skype, which is bugging me still to update to the newer. Uh, speaking of updates, Skype wants to update to the type that we can't figure out how to use, and nobody likes it. Yeah. Like Internet Explorer. Yeah. 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 So here, here, here we are on the, the Bose knows, uh, you know, IT show. Um, <laughs> You want a little bit of political? Sure. Obama endorsed Kate Brown. Okay. 
I read an uh, an interesting article from Willamette Week about um, why Kate Brown's in trouble with Democrat voters right now. Oh, Uh, just a a general sense that one, she doesn't have a clear identity of what her policy directions are because she hasn't really made made a name or or, uh, showed herself in any single area. And two, people are fed up with some things that are happening in the state. Um, and there are three things they, they cited. Um, one was um, lawlessness in the streets and kind of a feel that, you know, things are kind of going nuts with, you know, folks camping and shooting up in public areas in Portland and stuff. Um, whole issue with schools uh, and the, the poor performance of schools. And there was a third one, and I'm trying to remember what the, what that was cited. It might have been um, sanctuary. The, no, not sanctuary. It was uh, I think it was the, the issues with DHS and, and the child um, the safety net system kind of being broken. Okay. So it was it was, but it was interesting because they had several people they interviewed that have been like Democrat activists, worked for Democrat candidates in the past, and they were voting for Newt. And they're, you know, Portland folks um, and explaining why, you know, it was so interesting article. You know, so I guess one of the reasons uh, the former president stepping in in our governor's race is um, uh, Governor Brown's not exactly a shoo-in. And she's looking for all the help she can get and hoping that that endorsement might be just what she needs or something. Well, she, but, can, uh, she can claim that she was raped by Kavanaugh and not remember it. No, let's not go there. But, it, you know, the whole Kavanaugh situation points out just how crazy politics has gotten in this country. And we've talked about this before on the Bo's Nose show, where people get so divided. And I'm hearing it over and over again, where just people, you know, if you don't believe her, you must be evil. If you don't believe him, you know, or you believe her, you must be stupid or something. And there's quick, easy ways of categorizing the other side. And it just, it's driving me crazy, um, just the way it's gotten so, so polarized. And, and it's hard to even be on Facebook nowadays. And in fact, I had a good friend that is pretty intelligent that kind of slipped into that a little bit, and I kind of called him out for it. Um, but one of the things I reminded him of is that we got to stop doing this simple, lazy thing of calling the other side stupid or, or um, whatever, and instead think the other side believes what they do because they think it's what's best for the community. And, well, and talk about policies with each other and, and why you think your policy is better than theirs versus immediately, you know, somebody that shows any support for something Donald Trump does means they must be an idiot because they must support all the idiot maybe he's done in his, in his past life or is currently doing as president, you know? It's like, just because I was okay with this one thing doesn't necessarily mean I'm okay with everything, you know? And that immediate jump to calling somebody an idiot because, you know, they might have sided with something, or they might have at least said to somebody, you're not correct in how you summarized um, something that happened in the Kavanaugh case. You know, they immediately jumped to, oh, you're just a blind supporter and blah, 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 you know? If I can bring up something real quick uh, before we sign off here, maybe one of the uh, 
Solutions is, and I can't pronounce, I'm going to mispronounce the, the town in Alaska, uh, Stubbs the Cat is how they solved one of their issues uh, because Stubbs was mayor of the town from 1997 to 2017 until he died. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I, I can't remember the name of the town either, but there's a town that had a cat for mayor. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I think it's Tetlockany or whatever, T-A-L-K-E-E-T-N-A. So that's why I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess yeah, we could all go to voting for cats and dogs for political positions, but I don't know if we'll ever uh, resolve too much. And, of course, then that kind of gets to – what kind of employee engagement are we going to have in some of those those governmental organizations if a cat's their leader? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, we're um, catty. Yeah, yeah. We, we're digress, we digress on the Bo's Nose Show, but I think that's going to just about wrap it up for today as we get into having cats and dogs for political leaders. I'm not um, changing the cat's litter or the mayor's litter box. <laughs> Okay, is that the city clerk's job or is that the city treasurer's job to change the mayor's litter box? I don't know. There's a uh, some guy gets a hundred thousand a year for walking the presidential dog. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Well, thanks for joining the Bo's Nose Show. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, you know, come back next week. We'll we'll try and find something more interesting than cats and dogs to talk about for mayor. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it should be a, an interesting evening because I will have heard that report on the uh, homeless um, service system here in Lane County, and we'll be able to talk about that next week. So we'll see you next week here, 4 o'clock, live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.